looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Linnea Quigley. I'm a screen queen. And I'm on Crazy Train Radio. Listen, if you dare. It's your least favorite host in a podcast world, the Croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Well, folks, she is best known for being one of the world's most famous scream queens of all time. And she was given that title by many of her fans and numerous publications, including 
Playboy magazine mentioned in this in 2017 by naming her the sexiest screen queen of all time. She was the pride of Davenport, Iowa, born to a father who was both a psychologist and chiropractor, and mother being a homemaker. Leanna Quigley, how are you? I'm doing good. Wow, you know a lot about me. You got your crystal ball there, huh? Yeah, I did a little bit of homework, just a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Well, how are you with all the craziness currently going on? I'm doing okay. Um, I have been really busy on things like um, documentaries and uh, like I have a Zoom meeting this Friday to watch Return of the Living Dead with me. Um, just a bunch of stuff like that. It's like I did some voiceover work. It's just, it's been crazy. And I also did, I produced, directed, was in uh, an episodic TV thing called Zombie Games, which is being edited right now. Well, first and foremost, that's what we set this up for because of that zoom watch along you got coming up on friday yeah uh, with mr leo and he'll appreciate that hi greg <laughs> as i wave to the mic he's great he knows yeah. he can do everything yeah he's pretty you know he's been a part of a few we've done so far and you know he's very eclectic i guess the word would be yeah i know he should be a manager too, because he would be good at that. I'll put it this way, he'd probably be better than some that I know of, but we won't <laughs> I I won't go there publicly. Right, I know, yes. But first and foremost with the watch along, you are doing it to try to raise a few bucks for some animals. So can you tell me what exactly you are doing with this fundraiser? Oh, okay. I moved uh, across the country to get a larger place where I had some land and some buildings so I could do animal rescue. So right now I have 14 dogs and three cats that I take care of myself. So the money goes to Spain, neutering shots, uh, food and uh, adoption fees and everything for animals. Right on, and we'll put a link to the one I have to share about that, and if people are participating in the watch-along or not and still want to help out, I will have the link to that particular page. Oh, well, page. thank you. Yeah. That's well, great. It's called Moulin Rouge. So if somebody sees that, that's what it is called. Well, like I said, we'll provide them direct contact if they wish to help out with that, but... I'm curious to know, I heard you were both a vegan, but also the lifelong fan of helping animals such as a cause like this. So what made you go that direction as far as being someone who enjoys helping animals? Not to say that most people don't, but to get hands on like you are. I think it was just in my DNA because when I was young, I would rescue all sorts of animals and bring them home and uh, would go after people that were mean to them, like the mean kids that, you know, tried to hurt animals. And I just 
I was always doing something, petitions or whatever to save them. So I think I was just born that way. I'm guessing your parents must have loved that you come home with animals and such all the time. They didn't, they didn't mind really. I mean, we, I couldn't have like as many as I have now. They would have probably gone crazy like I am, but uh, they didn't really mind too much. Well, obviously most of our fan base would be aware of you for being a screen queen, like I said in the intro there. So did you get into horror because of that's where the work was or were you actively just locked into those type of roles? I loved horror, but I didn't intentionally go, oh, I'm just going to do horror films or whatever. I, um, it just like at that time in the seventies, there were a lot of horror seventies, early eighties. There were a lot of horror films being made, some really good ones. And I, at first I looked innocent and, you know, played innocent and would play the good girl. And then I got to play the bad girl in the horror films. I used to get killed. Now I stay alive. Sometimes, not always. But um, it, it was just a progression. I like, I don't regret it at all. I thought it was a great thing because I loved horror. Exactly. And it, I actually just watched it last night for the first time. Return of the Living Dead. Oh, that was your first time seeing it? Yes. Oh, the music is so great in it. Which, you know, brings up a good point there. And that you were involved with the music scene around that time period. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. A, I a was Songwriter in a and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. I wrote songs. I played guitar. I played rhythm guitar with just a tiny bit of lead, but mainly rhythm. Um, sang you know, stuff that wasn't even in my comfort zone. I don't know how that happened, but it, it happened and it was called the skirts and we recorded a lot and we played some clubs in Los Angeles and Palm Springs and stuff like that. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I did read and hear in previous interviews, you were that you were a shy person early on. So to get into oh, yeah. both doing music and acting seems a little opposite of, you know what I mean? Oh, it's so opposite. I, I don't know how it happened. I think it was like probably in some way a challenge for me because I did not like being shy and I still am like going to a party or something where I don't have a script. I'm very shy. Would that be possibly the biggest, uh, or one of biggest life lessons that you've picked up along the way working in a creative field as far as getting over your shyness? Yeah, I, I think that it really is a good thing if you're shy to try to just go out of your comfort zone and try something. Because I've heard a lot of actors are shy and performers. They might be able to pull it off, you know, on set or in a, a show or something, but basically it's, it's hard for them to do anything because they are shy. Well, 
as far as, and I know you have a loyal fan base because of the conventions and different things that you participate in. When did you realize you had a growing fan base? Um, probably the first, what is that? <laughs> An that accordion. Was, no, it was um, a, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was from a guest, actually, I'm going to have tomorrow from an 80s band, but it was a ringtone. Okay. Um, now I forgot the question. It was... Yeah, no, we were... <laughs> oh, the about, fan base. Yes. The fan base. I didn't... When I went to my first show, I didn't think anybody would know me, and I was... I remember I went with some people there. They drove me, and I was like going to be embarrassed because nobody would come up to me. And I was just like really having anxiety. And when I got there, all of a sudden there was like a group of people around me and I freaked out. I'm like, I went into the bathroom to like calm myself down and just, you know, breathe. And I was like, okay, I got to go back out there. And you know, I, that was the first time I knew that somebody liked return of the living dead and my character. But then I guess show after show, it, it would grow and people would know my films, you know, other than Return of the Living Dead. So it was like a progression. And what's nice is that the kids that didn't grow up in the 80s, the kids that are in their like 18 to 20, love the films too. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's getting to the point and i've heard somebody else say this actually no you know what i could say his name robert england mentioned this mm -hmm. as far as something similar to what you said there that it's become a generational thing that the people who weren't alive when nightmare came out or return of the living dead and you know somebody's cult classics had like those that generation has passed it on to their kids and it's almost getting to the point where they're passing it on to their grandkids now. So it's something. That's oh my gosh. Along. I know it. Wow. It's something that's being passed along from generation to generation, which is kind of cool for, I'm sure you guys. Oh, it's, it's great. I, I'm so shocked. I'm trying to like liken it to something that I relate to, but maybe it's like, the movies like Faster Pussycat or, uh, you know, the Vincent Price movies, like, that I would love to meet the people from. Well, speaking of which, I heard you uh, share a birthday with him, Mr. Price. I share a birthday with him and Christopher Lee, which is really cool. Right on. Well... Outside of acting, I heard you were looking at possibly becoming a cop in the early 90s in the L.A. area. What oh, wow. You, wow. What made me want to? Well, yeah, to go that direction, which is completely uh, 180 from entertainment. Well, I always, I like crime and, and crimes, true crime stories. And I think it was something, another thing I wanted to tackle, you know, becoming a cop. So I went to LAPD and I did the written test and I was shocked. I passed. There were like two people that passed. And then I went a year of like them doing background and 
physical and psychological and blood work and hearing and eyesight and it was it took like a year and then i chickened out was it because of that long time in the testing and background check they were I doing yeah, I think so, because I thought, oh, I, I've done acting, I'm going to now do something else. And it was the long time, and this is so stupid, but I had to be at the academy if I was going to go through at 5 a.m., and I didn't like that idea at the time. Uh, su such a musician and entertainer. I, I mean, that's like a horrible reason, but... I, you know, thought, oh, my God, I'll have to get up at, like, 3 in the morning and drive, and, oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny, because I was doing some homework, as we've discussed, uh, for this. And the thing I thought was kind of cool, and we're going to be talking there hopefully next week, you have did some work with Rhonda Shear on Up All Night. And they, the, the episode that I saw was some shopping at a food store, which was quite entertaining. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That was so fun. It kind of, um, it's, her show then was like very um, not scripted. You kind of like did improv with it. And it was so fun to have that. I think it was the first time where I got to do something like that. You know, usually it's a script and you need to stick to it. But we would go off on all these things, and it was fun. Well, like I said, you've been known as a screen queen. But was there ever a concern for you as far as being typecast? Maybe at some point a little bit, but I would rather be known for something than known for nothing. So I thought, you know what? This isn't bad. I love horror. I like doing these films and you know people like me in them so i'm i'm you know if i'm typecast i'm typecast and you know what it sounds like something i heard mel brooks say before really well he would the story i heard was and it came from a reliable source was uh i'm having a brain fart what's his name but he was uh, talking to Mark Hamill from Star Wars. Oh, okay, yes. So the story was that Mark was being afraid of being typecast and was also a big fan of Mr. Brooks. Well, you know, how things go. And Mel Brooks heard through the grapevine of Mark and this whole outspoken dilemma that he was having. Oh, I don't want to be typecast for Star Wars, this, that, the other. Invite him to the office and said, hey, look, ride the ride as long as you can. So what if you're typecast? Not everybody gets this opportunity. So if you're known for something, run with it. Yeah, you're right. That's so true. I mean, so many people, they get mad because they're typecast for something, but it's, you know, it, you're known. I mean, like, Cassandra Peterson is known for Elvira. Yeah. And almost everybody knows Elvira. So if she were to be mad about it, that would be kind of stupid. 
you know, with the success of it, you know, that's for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, she's been so successful with it and, and she enjoys it. Well, like I said, uh, I actually watched the movie for the first time last night, but afterwards, and we're talking about Return of the Living Dead, but also afterwards I watched the documentary from 2011, which I found quite interesting. Oh, yeah. And, and I know, and I mean this with all respect, the story, I one, well, two things. I heard you had bad experiences with special effects, but also yeah. the thing that I felt bad for you was they were, and multiple people, including yourself, told the story from different perspectives that when you went to shoot the dancing scene, how much of a, and maybe this is just me and my three working brain cell head there, that you knew what you were when you have this, obviously that was on script, but you like at first the producer was like, Oh my God, somebody say something or as far as grooming. Then when, yes. th then when that happens, it's, Oh my God, we see everything. So they then in turn had to make the prosthetic. Well, couldn't it have been that much of a surprise that you would see everything you know what i mean like you see where i'm my logic yeah is? you're right yes yes it shouldn't be a surprise here that what we're dealing with based on no. the script. exactly so was it more so that that making you of a barbie doll or was it something else with the special effects that you had a bad experience with oh it was just um I don't like prosthetics on my face and it just is like so claustrophobic and they had two different masks and ones I couldn't eat or drink because the mouth was really low by my chin and it was, and at that time I smoked, so that was bad. So I couldn't <laughs> do that. And also being painted with this paint, this white paint that yeah. would not come off. I would have to go home from the set with this white stuff on me and, getting to bed because it just wouldn't wipe off it was waterproof yeah that that just seems bad you know like that you couldn't even get in a shower and you know clean that up and exactly that yeah seemed, it was it was bad you hopefully things with as far as that kind of thing is has improved because for me that'd be the same thing that would be such an annoyance that if i couldn't clean something off when i'm done with it yeah yeah and you know you're getting home at six in the morning because we're shooting nights and you just feel like taking a shower and going to bed but you know you've got this white junk on you the paint oh yeah well like we said and we don't want to keep miss quigley on the line all day this friday she's got to watch along on the 19th friday night with mr leo we will provide the link for that as well as well as the fundraising for animals that she's doing, which is such an awesome concept and hope more people would. All right. Speaking of which, is that somebody laying behind you? Is that it? Or is that? Oh yeah. There's dogs up here on the couch. Dog here, dogs there, dog over there. 
dog there and a dog right there. So, uh, and there's more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I saw a leg hanging. Yeah, that's voodoo. And there's hey. Naoka. <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know she's doing this for a good cause, which is awesome. So. Definitely support whether you join the watch along or not, if you can. Thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you and have a great day. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hey out there in Radio Land, this is Amanda Verse, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you